Hi everyone, how's it going today? My name is Matt Jarbo. Welcome to Milk Carton Mysteries, episode number 21 for the 23rd of July 2020. And it's been an interesting day considering that I talked about the situation out of Polk County, Florida, where those three young men were brutally massacred and the sheriff was outright trying to find anything he could to get someone to talk. Well, someone talked and there's been an arrest and we're going to talk about that. We're also going to be talking about the former beauty pageant queen who has now been sentenced to multiple years in prison for a lurid Snapchat exchange with a student. But her story is fascinating and it will keep you going, what? And huh? And really? And you are going to have to tell me if you believe it. That's what I'm going to want to know from you. And of course, a crazy story where a woman, well tried to put out her, a hit on her husband and failed so miserably that she is now, quite frankly, the laughingstock of the true crime world, at least on Facebook. So we're going to be talking about that and a whole bunch of other stuff here today on Milk Carton Mysteries. My name is Matt Jarbo. Also, be sure to come over to the Facebook group. Check us out, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Milk Carton, where you can post your own stories, engage in the conversation, and get in on the action firsthand. And if you post something that is cool enough, I'll talk about it here and give you full credit. So that's an incentive if you're interested, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk garden. So let's talk about this, uh, this first case here. This, of course, is a woman tried hiring someone to kill her ex-husband on, and this is true, rent a hitman. Dot com. Because yes, when you're going to go and take somebody out, when you're going to go and try to rub somebody out, you rub somebody off, uh, you know, uh, take them out back, see, make them sleep with the fishes, see, you, you're going to go to a place called rentahitman.com. Well, let's find out more. So a Michigan woman uh, by the name of Wendy Ween has uh, wanted to hire a hitman to kill her ex-husband. So she went to this website, rentahitman.com. And this is coming in from the Michigan State Police. But here's the problem. Rentahitman.com is not a real website. It's a fake website created to lure people in like Wendy, uh, who was arrested on Friday after the failed attempt at trying to get her ex-husband bumped off. So yeah, this is a website that is designed entirely, explicitly, to catch dumb criminals. And we're going to look at the website too. We're going to talk about the website because when, when you look at what's there, no sane individual would ever truly be involved in this. So Wendy went to the website and she clicked on and completed the service request form requesting a consultation about how much it would cost to provide a hit on her ex. Now, she did say that the ex-husband was the target of her problems. The owner of the website then alerted state police. So this isn't a police-run website because that could be something that some might consider to be entrapment. I've seen that brought up quite a bit in the discourse surrounding this particular case. But if it's a privately owned third-party website and someone writes in saying, hey, listen, I'll pay you money to take this person out, then I believe that person then has an obligation, a duty to report that to the authorities in order to make sure that the proper investigation takes place. Now, when this was reported, the state police began an investigation and had a state trooper go undercover as a hitman. And he actually met Wendy in a South Rockwood, Michigan parking lot. 
I would have loved to have been that undercover cop, if I'm being fair. I would have loved to have been that undercover cop to go out there and be like, okay, what's my character? Who am I going to be today? What, what kind of hitman am I going to be? What's my motivation? And of course, the lieutenant in charge would be like, get your shit back together, Jarbo. You're not doing, you know, you're just out there to get the information. You're not playing a character. But I'd be like, no, I'm an actor, sir. And I have to find my motivation. I'm classically trained, you see. That's how the f I would have fun. Because at this point, no one's been killed. There's nothing. I mean, yeah, there's sinister, nefarious actions that are that are wanting to have taken place, but nothing's going to take place. No one's going to die. So having a little bit of fun with it, I think, wouldn't be out of the realm of 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 decency. However, according to the undercover officer posing as a hitman, says here that she offered to pay him five thousand dollars to murder her ex-husband who lives in another state and provided him with an upfront payment for travel expenses. So she went locked and loaded with cash, ready to give it. Now, she, of course, was taken from there. Uh, she has been arrested, and she has been placed in Monroe County Jail on a $500,000 bond. And the reason what she's been uh, charged with, solicitation to commit murder, which, if convicted... She could yield a maximum life sentence. And this is coming in from the Toledo Blade. Think about that for a second. This woman wanted her husband, her ex-husband to die, was going to pay someone she found on the internet five grand to go and do it in another state. And it's potentially going to get her life in prison. I think we can all agree uh, that the ex-husband, man, he lucked the hell out, right? <laughs> he lucked the hell out. But I also am curious what pushed Wendy to do it. Like, I'm making jokes, which some of you may find to be inappropriate. But I really am curious about her motivations here. It's not hard to understand the base motivation, but I really want to know what pushed her to one day go on the internet, Google hire a hitman, find rentahitman.com, and then go through the process of ordering it like you would an Amazon package. It just something that something must have happened to push her over the edge. And I'm sure as more details come out, uh, we'll find out more and more laughs will be had. But let's take a look here at rentahitman.com. So if you're watching this on, uh, on, on YouTube, you get to see the website. If not, I'm just going to read it off to you. So its headline here is Rent a Hitman, your point and click solution. 100% HIPAA compliant with the Hitman Information Privacy and Protection Act of 1964. I mean, right then and there, come on. Come on, you know that it's not real. You know that it's not real. Now, right now, their web form is down, saying that due to an overwhelming demand for services, our web form is temporarily down and out of order. Our incredible IT henchmen are working overtime to get this resolved as soon as possible. If this is an actual emergency, I can still be reached at, and this is the email, guido at rentahitman.com. Holy crap. Going on to say, as a friendly reminder, this site is operated out of pocket without any form of outside subsidies. So when things break, I have to hold bake sales and car washes to raise funds to avoid subjecting the public to crappy cookies and spotty washes. You can help by kicking a buck or two into the coffers and he gives you a PayPal email, which is PayPal at logmeoff.com. So again, tongue in cheek. So yeah, 
real website. It's this is your point and click solution since 1920. Rentahitman.com, 1920. It's a hundred year old website. Everything about this is just satirical. How in God's name did Wendy believe it? Well, it's possible that the testimonials, that the, that these that these anonymous testimonials, uh, yielded that kind of response. I don't know. But here's what Phil from Florida says. Guido and his public relations crew were able to resolve a five-year dispute in a matter of days. Highly recommend. Laura from Arizona says, caught my husband cheating with the babysitter and resolved after a free public relations consultation. I'm single again and looking to mingle. Thanks, Guido. And Fernando from Kansas says, my schedule is too busy to get my hands dirty. So I consulted with Rent-A-Hitman and they handled my public relations issue for me. Gracias, R.E.H. <laughs> I mean, this thing is so, so terrible. Uh, I mean, it even says here, you got a problem that needs resolving with over 17,985 U.S.-based field operatives. We can find a solution that's right for you. So what they're advertising is roughly 18,000 cleaners or hitmen or fixers that are available in the United States. But my favorite thing is this very bottom of the website. It says we are still open during the COVID-19 pandemic saying here, all of our field operatives have undergone stringent COVID-19 training and are in full compliance with all social distancing recommendations from the CDC protocols may be amended at any time based upon regional circumstances. Yes. During the and then the very last thing it says here is for the duration of the COVID-19 pandemic, our Wuhan offices will be working on a reduced schedule. So think about that. Everything about this website is 100% satire. It's 100% not real. Anyone with half a functioning brain can understand that. Anyone with half a brain, any two brain cells to rate to, to put together. They would totally know what was going on. They would totally get what's happening. So what the hell's going on? Why is this, you know, it? And why did it work? I have no idea. But quite frankly, it's the funniest damn thing I've read all 2020. And I, and I, and I think that I'm better of a person as a result of that, if I'm being fair. As always, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. The comments should be hysterical. I can't wait to read them. Be sure to let me know. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk carton. So let's talk about this story coming out of Kentucky, because uh, what we have here is what I would refer to as an odd epidemic. And, and I call it an epidemic because I feel that recently we are seeing massive cases of female teachers or women in general soliciting sex or nudes, or whatever, from minors. And it, it seems to just be happening, like, all the time. And I feel like we're seeing more of that than men preying on young girls. That still happens, by the way. I don't want to discredit that at all. But what we have here coming out of Kentucky is a former Miss Kentucky gets two years in prison for sending topless photos to teen student, claims that she was, quote-unquote, afraid. And I'm not kidding. That's part of her defense. This is what's going on. So a former Miss Kentucky winner named, uh, what's her name here? It is 
I, oh, it's Ramsey Burst. That's her name. I just want to make sure I had that right. Uh, she was sent into, sentenced to two years in prison for sending nudes to a teenager. Now, what she was ultimately accused of was sending topless photos to a 15-year-old student between August and October of 2018 while she was teaching at Andrew Jackson Middle School in West Virginia. So not only is she a former Miss Kentucky pageant winner, but she was also a teacher at a middle school. Now, she admitted in court that she sent at least four of the topless photos over Snapchat and revealed that the teenager had sent her explicit pictures as well. Both of those are bad. The adult in the situation, that would be Ramsey Burse here, should have known better. But this is her excuse. And it's interesting when you look at it, when you look at it objectively. I don't think people are going to look at it objectively, so I'm going to break it down. And I, I'm not defending when I do this, but I, I do approach things as objectively as I can. Now, she says uh, that I didn't keep any of the photos of him or forward them to anyone else but I did receive them and I did compliment him in a way which made it look like I did want them because again, I was afraid not to appease him. And that is getting a lot of commentary, the not appeasing him, being afraid of him. Now, why would she be afraid of a 15 year old? Why would she continuously send topless photos of herself and compliment his form? Why? Well, She's saying that she was afraid, that she had to appease this kid. So what exactly would this kid have on her? What dirt, what blackmail evidence would this 15-year-old student have on this former Miss Kentucky? Well, she does say here that uh, she told the judge that when she sent him the image back in 2014. Oh, no, she sorry. She wore the crown in 2014. She told the judge here that the young man's name was listed next to her husband's on her phone. And so from there, she sent the wrong image. She sent a risque photo to a student whose name, she just clicked the wrong button. Now, you might not believe that. And I think there's a grand reason to not believe that, but it could be something. Let's think about this again, objectively. She sends a risque photo, a topless photo of herself to what she thinks is her husband. And she accidentally sends it to a student. Now that student has it. Now that student has blackmail information. Now that student has leverage. And what does the student want? The student wants more. So she sends him more. And then he sends her photos and it spirals out of control until it all comes crashing down. Now that's the defense Obviously here, that's what's being put out there. And it's not out of the realm of possibility, but she does say here that she sent him more photos of her, which led to him sending photos of himself to her. And that she does admit that since I'm the adult and he is the teenager, it was definitely my fault and I accept blame for the situation. So she does take responsibility for the situation. And she is married and I think she has a kid. And she still made the mistake here, but it's like, let's say let's, let's operate under the assumed innocence fact, like not innocence, but her story checks out. What if that's what happened? And that's what I kind of, that's the scenario I keep running through my head because how many times have we watched movies 
where there's a minor mistake or a big mistake and things just spiral out of control from there. Your attempt to solve the problem or fix the problem or capitulate the problem or in her case, appease the problem ends up making it take longer and longer and longer and it ultimately just keeps snowballing out of control until it all comes tumbling down like a gigantic massive avalanche. And that is not out of the realm of possibility. It doesn't say that they ever met up, that they ever had intercourse. It was just sending photos back and forth. I mean, in no way is that right. And I'm not condoning that. I'm definitely condemning that. But this wasn't like a Mary Kay Letourneau situation where she seduced the 15-year-old, got pregnant by him, went to jail, got out, got pregnant by him once again, and then married him until she died of cancer at the age of 58, which that just happened like last week. This isn't that situation as far as I can tell. The information I've read has been, it was just the, 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 lewd image, the nude images. But she still shouldn't have done it because the photos he sent to her via Snapchat. First off, why does she have Snapchat? At that point, it's like I have trouble believing a lot of this once they go to Snapchat. You know, like, I'm also curious, though, was that did she meant to snap her husband and she snapped this teen? Why does she have the teen in Snapchat? There are tons of things that don't necessarily add to her defense. So I'm not buying the defense. But I am going to take the opportunity to opine on the defense and run it through the Occam's razor approach. Because that's what I do. That's how I like to approach these subjects. I feel it's the best way. Now, she's screwed. You know, she 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 screwed her whole life up. She's going to jail for doing this. And a lot of the commentary surrounding this and a lot of your commentary is clearly going to be, she deserves it, probably deserves more time. I saw someone say she deserves life in prison. She's a pedophile. Well, there's no evidence of there being physical contact. So she, you know, and even none of it's good. I don't want to defend her. I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to be the contrarian. I, th I think two years in prison is fine. I think the 29 year old absolutely screwed up her entire life. I have no idea if her husband has stood by her. This has been ongoing since 2018, by the way. I have no idea if her husband stood by her. I have no idea what's going on with that. She seems to accept responsibility, but at the same time, try to explain her actions away, which only make it worse. Because of how things snowballed, she should just stop with, I was the adult, he was the teenager, I should have known better, it was my bad, I'm going away for two years, and that's that. It does feel like she's still trying to control the narrative a little bit by making the claim about there being the appeasement factor. And obviously the 15-year-old's name is not going to be put out there, which is fine. And I, I don't know, this, I came across this today and I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. So let me know uh, at uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk carton. And finally today, guys, there's been an update on the massacre out of, uh, out of Florida. Uh, this was terrible. Polk County, Florida, you had a triple homicide where there has now been an arrest made. Uh, three arrests, actually. And the story itself, as we now know it, the details coming out are definitely, are definitely crazy. 
Uh, you know, Polk Sheriff Grady Judd describes the situation, describes the the uh, the accused in this case as pure evil in the flesh, which when you hear the story, which I'm going to go through. Yeah, I see it. So earlier today, we found out that detectives had arrested two men and a woman responsible in the fatal shootings of three friends who were found dead as they were headed out to a fishing trip near Frostproof in Florida last Friday night. At a news conference today, Sheriff Judd identified the suspects as Tony T.J. Wiggins, 26, his girlfriend Mary Whitmore, 27, and Wiggins' brother William Robert Wiggins, age 21. Among the leads that drew detectives to the suspects were hundreds of tips to the Heartland Crime Stoppers line. Remember, there was a $30,000 tax-free, no-questions-asked reward. They put that money out quick in a town of people, especially in like, if you, if you know where these three individuals were living, yeah, someone's going to narc and someone definitely narc. We just don't know anything about that yet. Now, TJ Wiggins is from Frostproof, judge quoted one of the callers saying, uh, and not just because they did it just because he's mean. So that's what the caller said. The caller had called out Wiggins, right? Had called out Wiggins and just said he's mean. But here's the thing. When you look into Tony Wiggins, man, this is true. He was first arrested at the age of 12 and has 230, that's not a typo, 230 felony charges, including battery and weapons charges. He's been convicted 15 times and he's served two terms in state prisons. According to the judge, uh, to, to the sheriff, he's wild and out of control, which I agree with. But 230 felony conviction, uh, felony charges with 15 of those being convictions. He must have pled down in order to not get on like the three strike rule, which I thought was a federal thing. But somehow this guy had been out doing a lot of stuff for the past 14 years to rack up. 230 felony charges. That is insane. So it kind of meant like eventually something like this would have happened if something like this hasn't already happened and they just don't know about it yet. Now, a video has come out that shows the fatal encounter apparently began when the when the victim and the suspects ran into each other at a nearby Dollar General store as they were getting ready to go fishing. Uh, TJ Wiggins screamed at one of the victims, you stole the engine out of my truck. Now, Judd did say the only evidence we have is that TJ is mad at some kind of truck deal that happened a long time ago. And, and to kind of add to that point in some of the, when there was a dive into a deep dive into the victims, as always happens in these cases, photos came out of how a couple of these guys were uh, using some, some, some foul language as well as raising uh, hunting dogs or potentially fighting dogs uh, in what appeared to be several photographs on their Facebook that could be construed as animal abuse. So it's possible that the victims here were into some stuff that these criminals were into. 
and that's where the overlap is. And there was a deal that went bad. And a lot of people were speculating. I think myself included were speculating that when this whole thing went down, when this whole thing happened, that it might've been like walking across a drug deal uh, accidentally and then being taken out. Turns out that was not the case at all. It was over a truck engine. Uh, all in all, six lives ruined. Three dead over a, a truck engine beef. Now, Tony here ran into uh, Tillman, one of the victims, at the Dollar Tree at 9.56 p.m. I think it was Damon Tillman. And uh, as Tillman was buying supplies for the fishing trip, Wiggins learned from a clerk at the store that uh, Springfield was going on the trip too. So the clerk at the store at the Dollar General, who I'm sure in this town of, you know, not many people, tight-knit community, uh, was like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to go fishing probably out at the lake. Everyone knows the area, and, and this is the guy who's going too. So she gave the information. Uh, Wiggins and the two suspects followed Tillman out of the store, and then 10 minutes later, the two other guys were dead, and uh, Brian Rollins had actually at that point then called his father for help. Investigators, uh, through their investigation, were able to identify the three suspects uh, on Monday, actually, and they located them off the grid in a wooded family compound of camper trailers. So these guys knew what they did. They knew everyone was looking for them. And what they do is they went off the grid. They went out to where there would just be camper trailers and people probably out there wouldn't find them. But they were able to track them down pretty quick. Investigators, when they got to the scene of the camper trailers, they found two shotguns and two rifles and a gun safe at Wiggins' trailer and they arrested him because he was out on bail and he can't have guns. Uh, this is following an arrest in March on charges of aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. So clearly this guy can't have guns. They also located a single shell casing from a 9mm pistol in Wiggins' trailer that matched the Smith & Wesson handgun used in the shooting. So they pretty much got him dead to rights on that one. Now when they brought him in, William Wiggins, the younger brother, and Whitmore, the girlfriend, agreed to be interviewed by detectives. Whitmore admitted to buying ammunition before the shooting and then stopped cooperating after that, whereas the younger brother, who's 21, is like, he provided way more details. This guy's got, you know, a lot more, you know, a lot more to lose if you think about it. So the detectives at this point learned that the suspects had actually no plans to go to the lake until Tony decided to follow Tillman. Uh, William was driving the pickup truck, carrying the suspects as they pulled up to find the three friends parked side by side in the two pickups, talking to one another. Uh, Tillman in the truck and Springfield at the wheel of, uh, of the other with Rollins in Springfield's passenger seats. That's the setting of where the victims were. Tony and Tillman got out of their trucks. Wiggins pulled the handgun and pushed Tillman, yelling, where's Kevin? So whoever this Kevin guy is, someone probably involved with this engine fiasco. Wiggins then spotted Springfield sitting in the truck, uh, ran forward and pointed a gun at him, demanding, where's my truck? You sold my engine 
of my truck or stole my engine out of my truck. Uh, Springfield, who worked as an auto tech, replied that he didn't know what Wiggins was talking about. Wiggins then struck Springfield. Tillman screamed repeatedly at the other truck, put the gun away. TJ's out of control. He's screaming, where's my truck? And then he starts shooting Kevin and Brandon inside the white truck. This is coming from Sheriff Judd. So, I mean, he freaked out about this truck thing and then just started opening fire. Uh, William Wiggins did say here that the two were hit about nine or 10 times. And then Wiggins shot Tillman several times as Tillman sat in his truck. So because there was a witness, he just shot the guy. You know, after he watched his two friends get gunned down, that he just got taken out. Then he said, this is from William Wiggins, that he wasn't actually involved in the shootings, but then afterward he helped lift Tillman and place him in the back of one of the pickups. Uh, Whitmore declined to talk to investigators about the incident and lied to protect her boyfriend. Judd said, saying, this is one mean woman. She's not cooperating. She's not talking. She becomes incensed at the detectives as they're trying to even spell her last name right. The suspects then disposed of the gun and immediately drove to a McDonald's where they ordered 10 double cheeseburgers and two chicken sandwiches at the drive-thru. I'm not too sure why that, de why that details in there. Part of me says it's like, you know, people, have, I've read people criticize that as they were like calm as a cucumber, but it's possible that it's just the adrenaline hit and they got hungry. I mean, that's a lot of double cheeseburgers are pretty cheap. You know, too many chickens are pretty cheap too. Uh, William Wiggins later then cleaned the outside of the truck, which was covered in red mud after a relative they had borrowed it from complained. So they used a borrowed vehicle to commit this crime. Uh, they told that they were going to, they told this relative that they were going to use the truck for a trip. And then when investigators in, uh, looked inside the truck, they found blood where Tony Wiggins had been sitting. So again, more physical evidence tying him to the crime. At this point, Tony Wiggins has been charged with three counts of first degree murder, tampering with evidence, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon and possession of ammunition by a convicted felon. William Wiggins is charged with tampering with evidence and both he and Whitmore are charged with accessory after the fact. William Wiggins has one prior misdemeanor arrest and Whitmore has none. This is coming from the judge. We're coming from the sheriff. Sorry. So the younger brother and the girlfriend, you know, they're not going to go, they're not going to go away as, as long as, uh, as Tony is. Tony's going away for life. I, I wouldn't be surprised at this point, given uh, the compounded interest from those 230 felony charges, the 15 convictions, and the fact that somehow this absolute low-life piece of shit was still walking around after being just nothing more than a career criminal for the past decade and a half. How it got to the point of where he was able to be out on the streets to murder three people over an altercation involving what he perceived to be a stolen truck or a, an engine that was sold out of a truck. And while he was upset, while he was furious, he gunned three people down. I mean, Jesus Christ. 
you know, I, I thought the details were going to be more sexy, if I'm being fair. You know, drug deal gone bad, that kind of thing. No, this is nothing to do with that. This is, this was just lunacy. A mean, mean person who got so triggered over something that he couldn't listen to reason. And as a result, gunned down three people. And then his girlfriend's trying to lie to protect him. And hey, the brother realized that, you know, he's in deep shit. So the brother, you know what? Saving his own ass. And I don't, uh, I don't blame him one bit if I'm being honest with you. But at this point in time, this is where the story ends. I mean, this is a story that had the makings of the next season of Unsolved uh, Mysteries. You know, this is the kind of story that you figure IDTV would do a full special on. Down the road, the massacre in Frostproof. And tell us all the sordid details of what the investigation was able to uncover without ever actually finding the person or persons involved. But due to an aggressive sheriff with an, with a very large pot of money to give away, they have it cracked and solved in a matter of a couple of days. And that's great. I mean, it's tragic that it happened, let's be fair. But it's great that it's been solved. So as always, I do want to hear what you have to say about this down in the comment section on YouTube or, of course, Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk cart. All right, guys, that actually wraps up today's episode. I uh, This was one that I was excited to get to because as I was finishing up last night's and getting it out there this morning or yesterday morning, really, I had heard about the update in the Frostproof triple murder and I wanted, I was like, darn it. I just, up, you know, I did the first segment. Now I got to update it with all these new details. And the new details are just wild. They're blowing my mind. Never mind the whole thing with the teacher and the topless photos and then the woman on a dumb website. It's just, I feel like today was a very big, stupid criminal day. And so I would appreciate it if you are watching this on YouTube, if you've made it this far, please type in dumb criminal in the comment section. If you are conscious on Twitter or on Facebook, message me and just say dumb criminal so I know you made it. So then I'm not, I'm not the only one. Anyway, follow me on Twitter at mjarbo or hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk carton. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have yourself a great day. Thank you again for watching and peace out.